Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Amen. You may be seated um, in a series that has just been chock full of the book of Revelation, uh, we throw you kind of a curve and we read from the book of songs, the book of Psalms, and uh, thank you, sir. And uh, that's because we're going to get all the way back there. Let me explain to you a little bit about what's going on today. Thank you again. Got your morning workout in. Um, Today, uh, I have... And I'm going to read it later. Um, I have written, in keeping with the sort of the look and the theme and the feel of what we've been doing, these letters to these different churches, I have written a letter today to the church in Oklahoma City, uh, to the angel of the church in Oklahoma City. And uh, we're going to get to that. Today is, is going to be all about um, the church. And by that, so everyone is on the same page, by that I mean not just our church. But the gathered up uh, presence of the church in Oklahoma City. I'm going to talk about the church and its relationship to our city. There are a lot of really good things to say. A lot of really good things to say. And I'm going to ask Jorge Hernandez in a moment to help me to say those things. And I'm going to talk about uh, how we are a very, very churched city and state. But in particular, the city. And yet, we have some things that we probably should be concerned about. And we have some issues and some alarms out there. And Ben Felder, my friend, is going to help me think through and talk through some of those things. And then I'm going to work through this letter to the church. And in this letter to the church that is gathered up here in Oklahoma City, I'm going to say uh, what I believe. I'm going to talk through what I believe to be the issue. Why there is a disconnect between the church and its city. When there is a disconnect, why is there that disconnect? And I, and I at least have an opinion. Now, I have written something that at some level, I kind of hope sounds a little bit like scripture. You need to know that I know, and I want you to know that it's not scripture. <laughs> I am not trying to position it as a scripture, but it is, uh, I am borrowing some cues stylistically from um, the book of Revelation and, and hope that... Um, at the end of the day, it becomes a sermon. We'll end up with Psalm 29 and a little bit out of 2 Timothy to address what I, I think, what I think is what ails us as the church. But why don't we start? Uh, why don't we start by turning this on? And then why don't we start with this? It's a powerful thing. When the New York Times says your city has arrived, you can believe your eyes. The scope of change here in just the past few years has been breathtaking. A strong, steady progression that adds up to a transformation. It radiates from a remarkable downtown renaissance, unleashing wave after wave of vibrant urban reinvention. This is 21st century Oklahoma City where an ever-ready economy is matched with a way of life that's a magnet. You feel its pull as soon as you do the math. 
Whether you're running a business or your own household, compare a low cost of living with a wealth of good paying jobs. And the difference is what we pocket to save and spend on extras that are unaffordable elsewhere, which makes for healthy businesses and very contented citizens. Your tour of Oklahoma City starts downtown with a superstar of a skyscraper. The new 50-story Devon Energy Tower and the reimagined Myriad Gardens. There's the roar of NBA basketball at the Chesapeake Energy Arena, where the Oklahoma City Thunder's fairy tale of a rise has put OKC top of mind worldwide. Add the sleek Oklahoma Riverfront, a new U.S. Olympic training center for rowing, canoe, and kayak, and a wondrous new waterfront that welcomes everyone. The urban core is booming with corporate headquarters, hotels, and restaurants, urban parks, and encounters with the arts, including the spectacular Oklahoma City Museum of Art and Civic Center Music Hall. Live music and entertainment beckon from Bricktown to Western Avenue and beyond. Thousands are living downtown and in vibrant urban neighborhoods. A world-class campus for elite biomedical research and the state capitol complex are all adjacent to a network of interstates that assure an easy commute, coming or going. Whether it's a condo downtown, historic district charm, a leafy university town, or a rambling acreage, the wide variety of lifestyles is a major driver of the growth in every corner of greater OKC. It's pretty sweet. Housing is so famously affordable, it boosts everyone's standard of living, and the amenities many new arrivals consider luxuries are happily the norm. Oklahoma City has always been a cultural crossroads. Downtown's Deep Deuce District was a cradle of American jazz. Our Western and American Indian cultures are unmatched. And today, Latino and Asian populations brought in a tapestry of diversity. Diverse cultures have fed the creativity coursing through our communities. It drives innovation in our industries. It drives decisions on development. And one result is job creation. Jobs are plentiful here because a low cost of living translates to a low cost of doing business. And employers profit from a workforce with a strong work ethic. The decision to adopt a new hometown comes down to what it's like to live here. How you spend your days and nights and weekends. How you move around the city and the people you encounter every day. Your options for entertainment and education. Plenty of evidence says that once people are here, they stick around or leap at the chance to come back. First, we live in a land of lakes and a haven for recreation. If you think Oklahoma is one big prairie, know that we have more diverse terrain per square mile than any other state, and more shoreline than the East and Gulf Coasts combined. We're raising athletes and teams from Little League on up. Powerhouse college sports are an obsession. We have hockey and baseball teams, and the Oklahoma City Thunder has officially sent this city into the stratosphere. An impressive array of performing arts ranges from the Philharmonic and Ballet to choral and theater groups. University programs soar, particularly in dance, opera, rock, and jazz. Our museums start with the finest collections of Western and American Indian art in America. Galleries are booming, while arts classes and events cultivate creativity with hands-on adventure. And given the math we mentioned, no wonder we're shopping with money to spend. High-end merchandise and services are abundant and multiplying. The beauty of Oklahoma City today is easy to see and stands to last. Because where we really shine is in numbers that work in your favor whether you're Generation Y or a baby boomer. Because the job market here says, welcome. The standard of living says, welcome. The economy, cultural life, and sense of community all say welcome. Whether you're accepting a job or you're the spouse who's looking for one, whether you're parents of toddlers or teens, or young enough and lucky enough to grow up here, 
you will find an exciting city on the rise and people who will make you feel at home from the day you arrive in Oklahoma City. That seems like a place I'd like to live. I like that. I have uh, somebody who is going to help me. And by the way, I've asked Jorge and Ben to help me today. And, and Jorge is going to come and help me. Go ahead and come on up, buddy. Help me talk about, again, how, how good our city is, uh, how well we are doing, and the good things that we can look forward to and all kinds of things. But Jorge and Brenda, I met with them this week. They're aware that we have some challenges. And also, uh, Ben, who I'm going to talk to later, I've asked Ben to tell us how bad things are. But Ben loves the city, too, and knows and enjoys some really good things about it. So, first of all, thank you for coming today. Uh, you, are, you and Brenda are, and we can stand or sit. What would you prefer? You okay, all right. That's you um, um, Jorge and Brenda are crucial parts of our church, but uh, crucial parts of our city. Tell us kind of what you and Brenda do. Uh, what do you do for a living, and then what do you do for the city? Well, uh, thank you for, for asking me and being here this morning. Uh, what Brenda and I do is we have a small public relations firm called Tango PR, and we basically help uh, corporate America reach the growing Hispanic population in Oklahoma City. Uh, obviously, the numbers show the great, uh, the great uh, growth in that community, and so a lot of companies are interested in, 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 in understanding how, when, and where to communicate and engage with them, and so we help them create that blueprint, if you will, yeah. of, how to, of how, to, how to get to that community. Um, because of those opportunities that I've worked with uh, large corporations, um, it's been a, a great opportunity to also work with the city of Oklahoma City in bringing uh, festivals to the south side of Oklahoma City and also bringing the Hispanic culture to downtown Oklahoma City. So I get a chance to uh, work on both sides of the river, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so it's been a great, uh, a great pleasure. Great. Now, we do this every week. I want to do this as well. Okay, we've been showing a map. You know, it's been Asia. Now, this is the map of Oklahoma. And just so you know, that's our city right there. All right? So that's the, the patch of ground that we're, we're talking about. And so, Jorge, I, you knew I was going to ask this question. What are you most excited about where our city is, is concerned? Obviously, there's a lot of things to be excited about. But for me, in particular, I think that coming from, um, coming from a city that uh, had great diversity, in Austin, Texas, I don't know. Um, Wait, excuse me. You did, <laughs> you did not mention that in the uh, I'm sorry, I, I did say Austin. Okay. I, I did say Austin. <laughs> it wasn't part of the approved script, was it? I'm sorry. Um, I grew up with a, a lot of diversity, and when I first got here in 91, I, I looked around, and, and I went downtown, and I went everywhere, and I just couldn't find a lot of diversity back in those days. And, and if it was, it wasn't, very, it wasn't out there. It wasn't um, something you could experience or see. And so to me, it's been a great um, to see the, the, all the wonderful things that MAPS 1, MAPS 2, and now MAPS 3 is doing for Oklahoma City. Uh, now MAPS 1 and MAPS 2 were focused on structures and, and schools. And, and this one, I think it's, it's really, I think, very exciting because it's helping bring communities out. It's helping provide a better health environment for, for our for, for our families. Tell us a little bit about MAPS 3. What, what all is coming with the, the new... From what I know, and, I, and it's, it's limited knowledge, but from what I know, uh, outside of um, the wonderful, I guess, job they're doing with the water park, it, it's, it's also bringing uh, a central park that's going to help, uh, hopefully, uh, bring the Southside community even closer to all the wonderful things that are taking place downtown. The Central Park will allow you to not only go out there with the family, but it also will uh, bring in um, music, yeah. will bring in dance, will bring in experiences that hopefully um, people from all around Oklahoma City can come to the central of Oklahoma City and experience. Uh, so Maps 3, it's really about uh, communities, sidewalks, um, transportation. Um, and so to me, it's all about families. It's all about culture. It's all about diversity. And, and it's awesome because for the first time, I, I take my own kids and go to um, Turkish festivals and go down to Plaza District and mm -hmm. uh, learn what hipsters are listening to and, <laughs> and, 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 and eating. And um, I get to go to uh, Deep Deuce and, and go to their festivals out there and listen to some jazz and, and go down to the Paseo. And it's just allowing us to eat uh, on a more regular basis outdoors and without spending a lot of money. Uh, you get to eat food trucks. You get to eat... Uh, 
Dance. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, did I say that? I, yeah, dance is I good. Didn't even, I didn't even say Austin, that. Austin, bad, dance, good. Yeah. <laughs> but you get to experience new cultures. You get to see things that you normally wouldn't see on an everyday basis and, and maybe things that you'd have to travel hundreds of miles before to experience. Now it's all in your back door. And, and, and so it's just a matter of engaging, a matter of just traveling a, a little bit down uh, outside of your neighborhood and, and experiences wonderful things. For example, today we have open streets down in Southside Oklahoma City hmm. from 12 to 4. The streets of uh, Southwest 25th, Walker and Robinson and 29th were shut down for people to come and just walk. Walk with your family, meet your neighbors, meet new people, try new things. And to me, that's all exciting. Yeah, when I met with, with you and Brenda uh, the other morning, and when I asked you what, are you, what are you most excited about? One of the first things you said was, well, we have more reasons to get people together. That's right. And that instinct to get people together and to have them to explore their own neighborhoods and other people's neighborhoods, there's something really good about that. It's, it's beautiful. To me, there's nothing more important than when you invest in people. And to me... Uh, the art of shaking a hand, the art of a hug, the art of just talking and, and putting these things, phones to the side for a little bit and engaging with humans is a wonderful experience, especially if they don't look like you, talk like you. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a wonderful learning experience for your kids as well. Yeah. Now, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curve. Oh. Right? So uh, the, the economics seem to be pretty good as well. Are you seeing that in, in your line of work? And, and how can you tell that the economics are still pretty strong? Well, I mean... I think we're hurting a little bit as the oil industry right. goes, but uh, but I think for small business, I think it, it is still a very good opportunity because I think people are still realizing uh, the value of of engaging with communities, especially different communities uh, around Oklahoma City. To me, it has been a great opportunity uh, in that obviously the Hispanic community is growing quite a bit, and people want to know and people want them to understand that. Uh, they're here to serve and to help in any way possible. So I get the privilege of working to, with companies like uh, the, the, the Energy FC, yeah. for example, that just uh, finished their season. Um, that was a, a wonderful experience to bring soccer. Not that soccer is new to our community. It's, it's number one in our community. Yeah. But that the, this wonderful group of professionals is bringing a good product and, up on, and offering a new, even more opportunities for our youth in yeah. our community to shoot for something in life greater than uh, themselves. Yeah. All right, now from your perspective, last question. Um, how much has the Oklahoma City Thunder contributed to our, our city and oh. its prospects? I don't know you could put a figure to it. I mean, um, not only, th I mean, the, the, the name brand, Thunder, but to have a, uh, a talented team like the one they put together not many franchises that I know start off uh, with this exciting yeah. uh, success uh, to the point that we're spoiled now when we don't reach the playoffs <laughs> or the finals. I mean, we're right. only we're a 10-year franchise. That's incredible. But, um, but it, it, you just can't put a price. I mean, the Thunder have put us in the map. It's, it's brought people to Oklahoma City that otherwise would never come yeah. and that are going back and sharing the, the exciting news about what's going on in Oklahoma City. So... And it's just remarkable, and it's exciting, and, and let's hope that um, <laughs> their, their, their success continues for years yeah. to come. Any, do you think if uh, Armageddon happens uh, and Kevin Durant leaves, <laughs> will we have to actually close the entire city? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, we okay. won't have to close the entire It will hurt. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be kind of like that oil uh, experience that we're going <laughs> the oil through, bus the oil the bus right now. <laughs> but, but you know the wonderful thing about it is that we have a wonderful we also have other wonderful players yeah. and, and uh, it seems like the coach has a knack and the managers have a knack of recruiting great talent yeah. so let's hope that they keep that trend but it'll definitely won't be the same without Kevin Durant yeah, no, let's hope he stays yeah. around. Another yeah. great Austin guy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should put that on the prayer list, you think? Is that okay to put that on the prayer list? Thank you very much. If oh, you haven't you. met Jorge and Brenda, these folks love our church and they love our city. And, and you, I, he's given me a whole lot of resources, everything from uh, more journalism about Maps 3. And all of that is going to be on our website and also on our Facebook page. If you want to study our city through the eyes of Jorge and Brenda Hernandez, you'll have that opportunity this week. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, everybody.
Okay, this is my part. Um, churches in Oklahoma City, lots of them. You heard me say not too long ago, more churches than gas stations. Still true. But here's the thing. While we have a lot of churches in the state, Oklahoma City in particular seems to be even more churched than the state itself. Uh, this is a, an article that was in Huffington Post, the most and least Christian cities were the third most Christian city in the entire country. This is startling to me. You may not be able to see it, so I'll read it for you. 58,781 Christian adherents per 100,000 people. Just let that sink in for a moment. For every 100,000 people, 59,000 of them say, you betcha, me and Jesus. Now, and, and just think about that, right? Just think about that. Now, you and I both know that 59,000 people saying, yep, I'm Christian, doesn't mean that all 59,000 are in church, right? But even where attendance is concerned, we rank near the top in the country. Nearly 40% of the adults in Oklahoma City believe themselves to be regular attenders at a Protestant church. Can we say this? We are a very churched state, and in a very churched state, we're a very churched city. Fair enough? I mean, we are so churched that we have huge political debates about Christian symbolism. Have you noticed that? We are a very, and, and hear me say this too, I would consider that to be a blessing. Now, there are challenges with it. There are challenges with it. But listen, let's not, let's not um, sidestep the fact that it is also a blessing. We have this opportunity. We always have. If 59,000 out of 100,000 are Christian, then we should have multiple opportunities to lock arms. You see what I'm saying? We should have multiple opportunities to lock arms and do some things to get some things done because there's so many people who are all claiming, perhaps even wearing the t-shirts or the necklaces, all claiming the lordship of Christ. That is a good thing, right? Uh, hear me, I think that is a good thing. Matter of fact, I think that everything you have heard from Jorge and everything we saw on that incredibly well done video, how many of you have not seen that video before about Oklahoma City? Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? It made you want to go live there, didn't it? <laughs> but everything that has been said today that goes on the good side, the right side, the bright side of the leisure, I agree with. I agree with. I'm not here to take issue with any of that. I just think there's a comma at the end of that whole sentence and not a period. So it's not that those things aren't true, it's that there are other things that also are true. I want to bring my friend Ben Felder to the front. While he's coming, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about what he has done. Ben and I actually have traveled, uh, actually traveled internationally together. We went and researched Cuba a little bit together and. And Ben has, at various points in his uh, adult life, studied theology. And uh, you have worked at a newspaper, run a newspaper in Piedmont, or is it in Yukon or both? Piedmont. Piedmont. Yeah. Piedmont. I think he'll get it for you. And then um, after that, a reporter for the Gazette. The Oklahoma Gazette, yeah. And my favorite story was the one that you wrote after you walked 23rd Street. How long did you walk on 23rd Street? Um, I think it was a... I think it was a 10 mile. A 10 mile a 10 walk mile on 23rd, side. just to kind of give a, a 23rd Street view of the city. And, and then the diversity that's along the street. All yeah. the diversity along the street. And now, most recently, what are you doing? So I, uh, I work for the Foundation for Oklahoma City Public Schools. It's a 30-year-old nonprofit that uh, works as advocates for the students and teachers in uh, the school district here in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And part of the reason I asked Ben uh, to, to come and help me talk through this part of, of the sermon, or at least the preaching moment, <laughs> is that I know Ben also loves his city. I know that Ben enjoys and makes it a point to enjoy, along with his family, uh, Lori and Satchel. I love that name. As a baseball fan, I love that you've named your son Satchel. Amen. 
uh, and he enjoys his city, but he also is uh, theologian enough to recognize that there are some issues, and there are issues that we need to think through and talk about. So I called Ben, and, and by the way, some of the resources that Ben made available to me, like the State of the State's Health, and also the report on um, education in the state, those things will also be made available to you on the website, on the Facebook page. And so I asked Ben uh, this very important question. Having asked Jorge, what are you most excited about? I asked Ben, what concerns you the most? What, what things, and there are a whole laundry list of things that we may get into some of those things. I might just sort of rattle them off, but I asked Ben what concerns him the most about our city. So what does concern you? What are the biggest alarms that you are aware of? Yeah, so when I, um, when I worked at the Oklahoma Gazette, we used to have this weekly feature. It actually, I think it still exists. And it would be something called word number and then fill in the blank. And it usually were statistics that you don't want to rank high on. So word number two or word number three on everything from obesity, incarceration rates, childhood poverty, infant mortality. Uh, in fact, there's kind of this joke in social cir circles here, thank God for Mississippi, because usually, <laughs> usually Oklahoma tends to be number two on those lists, and Mississippi is number one. Amen. A very, very right. church state as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think you could kind of, unfortunately, you know, and this is the case in a lot of places, but you can kind of just pick your place on the list. I think for me, the things that really kind of draw my attention um, are so education. So when it comes to education funding, um, we don't do a very good job. Um, and then educational achievement, um, incarceration rates. In a nation that has very high incarceration rates, we're usually in the top five when it comes to almost every category. Uh, I believe second when it comes to African-American incarceration rates. Uh, we lead the nation when it comes to female incarceration rates. Um, I don't think it's coincidence that also as a state and as a school system, we've also led the nation when it comes to suspensions. Hmm. Um, we had actually up until two years ago, which is the most recent data we have, Oklahoma City had the highest suspension rate for African-American males. And wow. we know that there's a correlation between suspensions in schools and spending Gosh. time in, in prison. Hmm. You also mentioned childhood poverty. Yes. And wrote a very interesting story about poverty as it has to do with our particular county in that, in that point, at that yes. point in the conversation. Tell us a little bit about that story and what you found. Um, there was a report that was done um, this last year in light of some of the things that have happened in Ferguson and Baltimore and taking a look at where someone lives and what does that mean for their life. And um, I don't remember the title of the, of the report. I think I sent it to you. We you can did. put the link I'll out there. Um, but it basically looked at when you look at a child or a family that's living in poverty, if you don't change their income level, but you move them somewhere else geographically, does their life get better or worse? And most of the times when you move a family out of the inner city into a more suburban community, you don't change their income levels. They tend to do a little better. So, so place matters. Uh, kids do a little better in school, you know, the safety, some of those health benchmarks. Um, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma County, had one of the worst gaps of a family in poverty living in the inner city compared to moving to a neighboring community like Canadian County. Worse so than Baltimore, which was kind of the, not the inspiration for the study, but kind of the focus, taking a look at, uh, you know, some of these youth that live in that community and just simply moving, what does that make for their, mean for their life? Right. So while all of what we have said is true, it is still true, it is also true that a family in poverty is going to do better just by moving out of Oklahoma City. A lot of studies would show that, yeah. Wow, and, and to what do you, how, how do you explain that? Well, I mean, it kind of depends on which area you're looking at. I mean, I think when it comes to education, I mean, there's probably something to be said for a child going into a school that's not, I wouldn't classify it as being better, right. but being around peers who are performing better, that have that kind of parental involvement, that maybe they can kind of, something kind of trickles down. Um, there are a lot of studies to show that the more diverse a school is, the better it is for your low-performing students, that there is something about being around kids that do have that kind of stable home life that plays a part in their own life. Yeah. Um, a lot of our schools in the inner city are not very diverse in the sense that you have multiple ethnic groups. In fact, a lot of our schools continue to be just as segregated as they were before mm -hmm. desegregation. Do you have any ideas what we could do? I, I, this is the curve I'm throwing at you. I threw one at, at, uh, at Jorge, but what, what would you suggest? Give me one or two ideas that you might have. Well, I thought about, I thought about that. Um, you know, I think one of our major problems, whether it's a city, a state, or just a society, 
is that kind of segregation. So uh, not being with the other. So not having that kind of perspective. Because I don't think we're bad people. Um, I think sometimes these problems just aren't, you know, aren't on front of mind. And I guess this is a little theology, which is your department. But, you know, I often thought that one of the reasons why Christ encouraged his followers to hang around the poor um, the criminals that were in the eyes of the state, those who were on the fringes of society, was not just, you know, to help them, but to have a, a deeper understanding of their life's journey. Yeah. And, you know, when we have schools, we have communities that are deeply segregated, we're not as aware of that perspective. You know, I get a chance to walk into a lot of schools, and almost every time I step foot in a school, especially if it's a majority African-American or sometimes Hispanic school, um, the students immediately think that I'm a police officer. So in their life, the majority of the time they have an interaction with a white male, it's as a law enforcement officer, whether directly to them or their family. And so that kind of tells that there's just not this, uh, you know, we're not, our paths aren't crossing in, in a way that yeah. they should. And I guess I would also say that as a church, I think we all would agree that dealing with issues of poverty, helping the poor, helping the weak are important. Um, a lot of churches if they kind of came together and said, hey, how do we help the poor? They're probably going to have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out, well, what challenges do the poor face? Right. And that probably is because a lot, of, you know, a lot of our churches aren't necessarily in that community, yeah. not having that perspective. Thank you very much. And if folks want to, I'm going to put your contact information out there too. If folks want to follow you on Twitter because you and Jorge both have, have eyes on the city that we could all benefit from. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine yes. Thank you, Ben, very yes. much. Everybody, right, Ben Felder. Thanks, buddy. Here's a chart that uh, we're going to make sure that is on our Facebook page, at least, that, that tells you that some of our crime rates are actually going down, but our incarceration rates are going up. It's something that we have to consider and think about and talk about. And not just as we look at the criminal justice system, but as we look at the church in Oklahoma City. I, I want to read this uh, letter that I have written now, and um, I don't have it all up on the slides for you, because much like uh, the book of Revelation, I think it actually is supposed to be heard, heard more than it is uh, seen up front, but I'm going to read it for us. Anyway, borrowing from chapter one, when Tuesday came around this week, I, John, <laughs> was in the presence of the Lord when the Lord said to me, write, say, post to the church in Oklahoma City, the angel of the church, the church that I love and lead, the church of great variety, energy, and beauty, the bride, hear the voice of the one who made the thunder and the lightning whose voice shakes the earth, whose words are still creating, bringing life and possibility where none existed before. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last word, the origin and the destination, the image of the invisible God, and at the same time, the hope of humanity. Says Christ, I am your champion, the one who calls the church to walk with me in victory, announcing release to the captives, hope for the poor and the isolated, health for the broken, and help for the frightened. But now I want you to stop, be still, be quiet, and listen. I am watching you. I can see that you are moving, growing, achieving. Since your birth in 1889, you have extended your reach and added to your number those who wear the labels and symbols of faith, who are identified with me as members of my body. You are large, church, and at times you are loud but I have this against you. You tend to confuse size with greatness. And despite being large and loud, despite having both reach and voice, you aren't reaching far enough, and your voices, while loud, don't always speak my truth, though you claim to be speaking for me. What happened? Why have you neglected the power and light made available to you, opting instead for cheap imitations of your own making, what are you looking for? Can you drill deep enough to finally discover satisfaction? Can you harness enough power to guarantee your security? I know your hearts. I know what moves you. You are afraid. 
You're afraid of not having enough. You're afraid of not being enough. You're afraid of change, and yet you know it's coming. You've learned to fear the storms, the winds, the quakes, but that's not all. You fear that you will be abandoned, that you will be left for another. You fear those around you. You fear the other who isn't you. You fear the other who isn't like you. You fear the other who doesn't look like you. You fear the other who doesn't think or believe like you. You are afraid. And your fears are your gods. They order your steps and make your decisions. They redefine your words and dictate your posture. You sow, reap, and store away in barns, thinking this to be your best defense against all that you fear. And yet your fears keep you inside the walls of your fortresses, chained in captivity in a cell that you have constructed. A life far beneath the privilege I've dreamed for you as co-heirs and sons and daughters of the one true God. You've forgotten to remember that you're on the winning side. You've won, and yet you fail to live out your victory. Instead, you wring your hands and make your plans and prepare for battles of your own making, battles you're afraid to lose, and yet battles you are destined to lose, all because you have chosen a kingdom of fear and scarcity over my kingdom of grace and abundance. To you I say, fear not. Turn back to me. At the very least, turn and look at me. <laughs> look again to me, your champion, and find what you are missing. Find what you are craving. And I will reteach the meaning of words like success and security, health and wealth, power and freedom, love and connection. To the ones who conquer, I will be your God, and I will never leave you for another. And you will be my people, revealed as my partners and my children in all of creation, waiting with great anticipation for your return, will celebrate loud and often and probably with lots of food trucks. <laughs> Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches in Oklahoma City. And so, Psalm 29, to a church, capital C, and I mean all the churches, I don't mean just us, but I do mean us. To all the churches in Oklahoma City, the ones who display with great pride crosses every chance we get. To us who seem still to fear the other, to fear what's coming, to fear the changes. To us, we are given like a gift, Psalm 29. Now I'm about to close, but I want you to hear this. Psalm 29 is a very unique fascinating psalm. It is my favorite because it seems to be a pageant. It seems to be a pageant between different gods and deities and authorities, and our God shows up, and everybody is in awe, and then our God gets to the talent part of the competition, and our God is the God of the storm, above the storm. And so the herald comes and says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, all of you competitors, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice, here comes the talent part, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Now this is an interesting passage of scripture for folks who have seen up close and personal tornadoes that bend and break everything. Is anything more scary to us? Does anything send us scrambling more than the alarms? The alarms that sometimes we hear in our neighborhoods and the alarms that are sometimes on the network channels. <laughs> Does anything send us to the store to buy stuff quicker than them telling us there's a storm coming? Our fears move us. And yet this God claims to be above and more powerful than the storm. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say, uncle. <laughs> they say, glory. They say, you win. What if? The church in Oklahoma City believed its God to be the greatest power amongst all powers. 
You just think about that for a minute. What if the church, let's don't make claims on the other 41,000 people amongst the 100,000. What if the Christians and the churches all locked arms and said, sure enough, our God is the biggest God. Our God is most powerful. Our God, amongst all other claims for our trust and allegiance, our God is most trustworthy. And even though our eyes might not give us the evidence that we need for obedience, what if the church said, we believe this to be the greatest power in all of creation, and we will trust this God when this God says that there is strength in weakness. When this God says, blessed are the poor. When this God says, turn the other cheek. It doesn't make sense. And it's not been that long ago when I sat in the office or sat at least in the presence of an elected official who actually said to me, and he was a Christian, who actually said to me, you kind of just stay over there and work with souls and we'll take care of the real life issues. That's really bad theology. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. But apparently does that, that does not mean the absence of storms or scary situations but storms and scary situations feel different when you believe your God to be the biggest one to a frightened church to a frightened minister Paul writes all kinds of things my favorite of the things he writes goes like this I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Interesting that that term, self-discipline, comes in here. Well, as we kind of get the, the spirit of power and of love, we like that, but apparently it also takes self-discipline to stay committed to a difficult message. What if, just let's think out loud, what if, what if we were the people who seasoned and flavored every other endeavor and vocation out there? What if we were the people who went out there saying, because we are a people, having been given the spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline, what if we were the people to say, we must hold to a Christian course? Instead, here's what feels like we've done. It feels like we have backed away and retreated inside of our fortresses, and it feels like we have said, okay, then we will take care of the soul stuff while other people take care of the real life stuff. And, and here's what that is. That is a dangerous limitation and under-appreciation of the gospel. When the Christians back out of the way, believing the rest of life to be somebody else's problem, somebody else's responsibility, when the Christians back out of the way, another theology takes root. A competing theology takes root. Toward the end of this same paragraph, Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. In other words, we are not, not ever abandoned. As we try as best we can to be the people of God in a city that is on the one hand doing really well, and then on the other hand is super, super churched, and then on a third hand, that's an odd thing, a third hand, but on a third hand still has all of these issues that afflict us and confront us. I would submit to you that's because there's a gospel at work in so many of the churches and maybe in so many of the believers that allow us to opt out of the hard work of real life. 
nearly as many amens as I thought there might be right there. Do you know that the gospel has in mind your entire person and not just your soul? Do you know that the gospel has in mind entire households and not simply, not just the decisions that the members of that household would make at an altar one time, but the health of that household is in mind when God says to you, go. Do you know that God has in mind whole cities, whole communities, Perhaps even whole nations when God says, I will have a group of people, I will have a group of people to call my very own. And in and through these people that I call my very own, the highest hopes and dreams and purposes of God will finally have skin and flesh, most perfectly (laughs) in Jesus. But also because we share this same spirit, the hope is that the people of God The body, the bride, would also be the means whereby God makes God's purposes known. So whenever you have a church and the neighborhood around the church is deteriorating, I wonder if the church gets Jesus or the gospel. And so we have this neighborhood known as Oklahoma City. And hear me, there's a really great church in the middle of that neighborhood known as Oklahoma City. And there's some really great things happening in the neighborhood. I'm not sure that the great things happening in the neighborhood around the city, though, are being pushed by Christianity in the church. I am sure that some of the things that are happening in that neighborhood and city around the church that are ugly and terrible and disgusting and frightening, I am sure that we can have something to say in those situations because I imagine that Christ himself has something to say in those situations and all God's people said. I don't want you to opt out of the struggle. I don't want you to opt out of the the struggles. I don't want you to opt out of the game of life. I just want you to be willing to dance the dance of the kingdom no no matter what part of the game of life you're in. You see this? a little bit on the video. This is a real football game. (laughs) I mean, there are rules that govern the football game, right? You're supposed to block and tackle and listen to your coaches and all that kind of stuff. You're supposed to do the right thing at the right time. But man, when the music comes on, you just can't help yourself. Sometimes the rhythm is going to get you. You just have to dance the nae-nae and the whip. Right then and there, you just can't help yourself. You just got to do it. Here's what I dream for the church in Oklahoma City, that we would be meaningfully engaged in the game. And yet, as soon as we hear the music, no matter where we are, what we're doing, we dance the dance of the kingdom. (laughs) I cannot get enough of that. So what if, what if the church was so unafraid? What if the church was so unafraid? What if the church was so deeply convinced of the victory that can always be celebrated? What if the church was self-disciplined enough to be engaged in the game, to be engaged in the struggle, and yet, soon as we hear the music, we start dancing the dance of the kingdom. What would that city be like that had that kind of church? 59,000 out of 100,000. 
What if 59,000 of 100,000 people were listening for and responsive to the music of the kingdom? We go from there to the table. I want you to hear this today as we approach the table. And if you're helping us, if you'll go ahead and come on to distribute these elements. I want you to hear this today in the table. I do believe that there is fear at the root of our failure, our failures. When we fail, when we fail to be God with skin on, when we fail to be the embodied purposes of, of Christ and kingdom, when we fail, I think fear is down in there somewhere. We are afraid of everything. We're even afraid of Kevin Durant, that Kevin Durant's not going to stay with us. <laughs> what will we do then? I want you to eat and drink today these reminders that this God has said repeatedly and again today, I'm not going anywhere. Heavenly Father, bless these elements. Imbibe them, Lord. Strengthen us to be your people. Strengthen us, God, as we are ourselves. Sent back out into the game. Complete with rules. Complete with adversaries. Complete with expectations. Send us out there, God, with a listening ear. With something like the bread and the cup, God, would you remind us would you remind us to listen? Would you remind us that we have something to offer because we are connected with you and continue to benefit from the ongoingness of your victory? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're running late and long today, and I apologize for that. But in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and exit your pew to the left. Come forward with your hands cupped to receive these reminders that God will never leave or forsake. When you do, someone will place a piece of bread in your hand, and in placing that piece of bread on your hand, you'll hear someone say, the body of Christ broken for you. Take that bread and right then and there, dip it into the cup. That person will say to you, the blood of Christ shed for you, and then take and eat. And then you're welcome to circle back around to your seats or to come here and find a place to pray, the padded altars if you need prayers for healing, these other altars if you have any other kinds of prayers to pray. But I hope that you will find some place to pray. It was on the night he was betrayed that our Savior took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat of this bread, remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, and this is my blood shed for you. Every time you drink of this, remember me. If you can't make it down here or to one of these stations, Brittany will come and find you. Just make sure that she sees you. Now all across the sanctuary, all who can and will, all who are welcome, all are welcome, all who know their need for grace, stand, exit your pew to the left, and come forward receive these gifts of memory and commitment.
that at times we have been guilty of forgetting to remember that you have won. Father, we confess that there are times that we have hitched our wagon, so to say, to other competitors, to different competitors, and have diminished and muted the voice of faith. Father, we admit and confess that at times we are afraid. Like the disciples in your presence, we too have the capacity to be very near and yet still be afraid. Father, would you in those moments remind us of your nearness and remind us of the opportunities that we have and the capacity that you've granted us be the very embodiment of the kingdom. God, we are grateful for our city. We are grateful for the voices that we have heard today. We are grateful for all the different ways you seem to be growing and moving our city. And yet, God, we are keenly aware of some of these issues that confront and afflict us. God, would you give us just enough imagination to know how we can, as members of your body, as the people of God, would you give us just enough imagination to know how we can bring light, bring clarity, bring truth to these situations. And may we understand it as our responsibility as the people of God to further the purposes of God. Father, now hear us as we pray for one another. If you are aware of someone in need of a prayer for healing, would you pray it now? Continue to, to pray for the life of Mark Carr, Len Caprero, continue to pray for those whose wounds are relational in nature or emotional in nature.
God, I ask you to pray for your church. In an important couple of weeks, I'd like to ask you to pray for your pastors, your church. best things we do every week in this prayer time to remember and rehearse together this prayer Christ taught his disciples to pray and I want you to hear me again as I say we intend to pray this until we all deeply believe it so pray it in the hopes that it continues to take up ground in your imagination let's pray together our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. 